what you just saw is really the beginning of one of the greatest love stories ever told. And it's uh, told from the book of Hosea. Um, we're starting February, it's February the 2nd, and this is the month of love. Why is it the month of love? Because of Valentine's Day, right? This is the day um, where all of us guys, we usually dread, and all of the women usually enjoy, right? Um, I, I, you may consider me less than a man, and I really don't care what you think. I love a great love story. How many of y'all, you like a, like a movie, you like going to maybe chick flicks or love... See, all the women and me are, are the only ones raising my hands. All right, let me tell you some of my favorite um, uh, love story uh, movies. When Harry Met Sally, my wife and I love that movie. We can quote that movie from the day is long. Another one we just watched uh, again last week, Notting Hill. Anybody seen Notting Hill? I'm telling you, what makes that movie is the weird roommate, right? I'm telling you. <laughs> Very strange. So uh, here's what we're going to do is I'm going to ask you to take the next 30 seconds and find somebody next to you, and I want you to ask him what is your favorite l- movie about love, love movie. So why don't you go ahead and do that now. I think one of the greatest uh, like love movies, Dumb and Dumber, right? It's still a better love story than Twilight. Just saying. <clears throat> Well, you know, uh, even though we could talk about love movies and love stories, and it, it, there's just something about uh, a man and a woman when they like come together. It's like, oh, they fall in love. Another one that just came to my mind: Serendipity with John Cusack. I love that. I really like that. So, anyway, as we kind of go through this, we're going to be looking at one of the most shocking uh, love stories that you probably have never heard of. And this love story is found in the Bible. Uh, It was written, this love story actually happened in 750 B.C. to a guy by the name of Hosea. And uh, Hosea loved a girl um, around 750 B.C. And God told Hosea to go and love this girl. Now that doesn't sound kind of too weird. I mean, some of you, you've tried that line on your, you know, on the, hey, God told me to love you. All right, whatever, right? But this is actually a case where God told Hosea, I want you to go and I want you to love this particular woman. And one of the things that's so amazing about this love story is this love story is the picture and is a picture of how God loves us. You see, if you've not been to church before, maybe you got bumped out of church or whatever kind of happened to you, you need to know this. So one of the things I hope you, when you leave today, you will know that God is madly in love with you. And this story that we're going to be looking at really does illustrate who God is. And it illustrates one of God's most extreme parts of his character. You know, again, some of you, maybe, again, maybe you've kind of bumped out of church and you thought this. If God was so loving, then how could he fill in the blank? Or, you know, if the God in the Old Testament, it just seems like he was just really angry and really mean. And he was all this judgment. And we're going to be looking at some of those extreme characteristics in God's character, all from this little book called Hosea, written by the guy by the name of... Hosea, very good. All right, y'all are awesome. Welcome to One Church. All right, if you have a a, a Bible with you, if you have one of the One Church Bibles, you can turn to page 679. We spend thousands of dollars every year buying Bibles because we want you to be able to have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you can get one at guest services for free. If you don't have one now, the words are going to be up on the screen. And we're going to be starting at verse 2. I'm going to be reading now the message because I just want you to see how shocking this is. God is going to tell Hosea 
to go and marry a certain woman. This is what he says. The first time God spoke to Hosea, he said, find a whore and marry her. Thanks for coming to one church. (laughs) This whore will be the mother of your children. Say what? Why would God ask Hosea to go and marry a prostitute? I mean, that doesn't really compute. In fact, really in this day and age, Hosea would be more aptly to stone a prostitute than to marry one. But God is trying to paint a picture of a big love story. And he's trying to really express his own feelings. His own feelings. In fact, that's what it says in the rest of this verse. It says this. And here's why. Here's the point. This whole country has become a whorehouse unfaithful to me, God. God tells Hosea to go and do the unthinkable. God says, I need a way to illustrate just, the, just how I feel. This is maybe kind of interesting for you, but do you know God has feelings? You know, we kind of see us and we see you know, we have feelings, and sometimes we're kind of high, sometimes we're kind of low. And we don't think of God as having feelings, but God is a person. And God has feelings too. In fact, the Bible says that we are made after his image. So if we have feelings, then we can also deduce that God has feelings because he made us that way. So God needed a way to show the nation of Israel how he felt. So what he said is, I want you to go and marry a prostitute, have children with her, and then you will know how I feel. Uh, but, you know, I do a lot of marriage counseling, and I, I, I don't do as much as I used to because we got a great dude on our team named Jared Hodges, and Jared does a lot of great counseling. In fact, I've seen Jared. I kind of talked through some of my stuff with him, and if, for some of you, if you've not went to get to meet to Jared, you really should, so you should have went to Jared. So, um, anyway, um, but uh, one of the things when I've done marriage I've done marriage counseling where it's just been one spouse in my office. I've done marriage counseling where both spouses have been in my office. That's usually rarer. And, um, and I've also done marriage counseling where one person has been in my office and another person's been over Skype. You know, they've kind of Skyped in. But here's one of the things that I've realized when you do marriage counseling. Usually somebody, they realize that the relationship is broke, at least one person does. And they're coming, and they, maybe they, they're angry, they're frustrated, their feelings. I mean, there's a lot of feelings that, that it, at least one person has. The other person may be totally closed off. But think of it this way. God is coming into a counselor's office to be counseled. That's how I want you to portray this book. It's like God opens the counselor's door, and God lays on the couch, though I've never laid on anybody's couch before, you know, and said, tell me your problems. God is on the couch, and this is what God says. I'll tell you how I feel, God says. I feel like a jilted lover. I found my lover thin, wasted, and abused. I brought her home and made her beauty shine. She is my precious one. She's the most beautiful woman in the world to me. I lavished on her gifts and love. How does she return my love? She forsakes me. She pants after my best friends, even my enemies, everyone and anyone. I feel betrayed, abandoned, dumped on, and deserted. That's how God feels in this book. That when we, you may come, and some of you, we may have disappointments with God. We may have questions with God. You need to know in this book, we're going to see God's disappointment with us. And specifically his people, Israel. And God has these deep feelings, and just mere words is not going not gonna to cut it. 
You ever been into a situation where you wanted to say something, but the words just weren't enough? That's how God is at this point. He says, here's what I want you to do, Hosea. I want you to go, and I want you to go and marry someone. And I want you to give your love to her. And you need to know this, that she is not going to reciprocate your love. And you're gonna ha- she's always going to be leaving and going out and forsaking you, and you're going to always be running back to her and recapturing her and pursuing her. Here's our big idea for today. That God has feelings too. Even when we run, God pursues. The one of the things I really want us to land on today is God's feelings. Because again, we have this idea, many of us, that God is this old guy up in heaven, kind of looks like Zeus and is hurling down thunderbolts and he's mad at us. And one of the things I really want us to land on today is that he's not mad at us, he is madly in love with us. He's madly in love with you. That he pursues you. That he longs for a relationship with you. So as we dive into this book, it's going to be a lot of pain, it's going to be a lot of torment, but it is the greatest love story ever told because it is our heavenly Father longing for a relationship with the human race. And how many times We run away from him. We run away from that love. Now, here's the thing. Just as Hosea is going to feel the pain of adultery through marrying this prostitute, God felt the pain of idolatry uh, through what we've done. Now, here's the thing. Let me explain this. Uh, What would happen is God told the nation of Israel, listen, here's what I want you to do. The first and greatest commandment, the first commandment on the Ten Commandments, is that you shall have no other gods before me. God wanted Israel to love God and God alone. That I don't want you to give your worship to anything. I want you to give me your worship. I want, you, I want to be the focus of your life. That's what God wanted Israel to, to, to act towards him. But here's the thing. Israel wanted to be like all the other countries. So all the other countries and all the surrounding countries, they weren't monotheistic, they were polytheistic, which means, yeah, we can believe in one God, but let's have many gods. And uh, so they chose to love the God of Baal and Asherah and Marduk and, and some of these other uh, gods that many of their, the surrounding nations would worship. And they substituted Yahweh for these other gods. They substituted the living God for idols, stone, wood, statues of other gods. They substituted God, they placed God second, third, and fourth, and that is why God told Hosea, I feel pain. I feel like a jilted lover. And just as you're going to experience the pain of adultery, Hosea, that will illustrate the pain of idolatry of what I feel. This is verse 2 and 3 in the New Living Translation. says this, When the Lord first began speaking, To Hosea and through Hosea, he said to him, Go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. In fact, we're going to see that he acts a gomer. By the way, when I say the word gomer, all right, this is going to be in the, that is not a man's name, that's a woman's name. Bless you. All right. Now, when I I say the word gomer, because that's who he's going to marry, who do you think of? Gomer, surprise, surprise. Anybody remember that? This is interesting. This is free. You don't have to pay for this little tidbit. Did you know that Sergeant Carter of Goman Pyle is actually buried here in Clarksville? No lie. 
Greenwood Cemetery, close to my grandma. So anyway, um, but yes, Sergeant Carter, this is actually his hometown. So surprise, surprise, surprise. Anyway, so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. In fact, uh, this prostitute, Gomer, actually had one child with Hosea and two children from other lovers. This will illustrate, here's the point, this will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So Hosea married, what's that next word? Gomer, and that's a girl, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. What God is trying to say about himself in this story, this has a point. The reason why God told Hosea to go and marry Gomer is because the point was, I want you to feel how I feel. And some of you, you know exactly how that is because you, you've been betrayed by a coworker at work. Somebody you thought was your friend, and y'all, maybe y'all shared a cubicle, you were in the same unit, but you got thrown under the bus. Or maybe you realized that your name has been drugged through the mud. And you know exactly what that betrayal feels. Others of you, you've had friends since childhood. Somebody that's been close to you and you thought you would be lifelong friends. And what you realized is you weren't lifelong friends. And the pain of that, the pain of not staying close. Others of you, it's because literally somebody cheated on you, maybe in a dating relationship. Uh, Others, it may be a marriage relationship. That when somebody said, I do, and it will be forever, it wasn't forever. It wasn't. Or somebody said, I do, and the feelings just kind of waned. You became different people, and one person decided, you know what, I'm going to walk out of the relationship. Some of you know exactly what that pain feels like. You need to know this. God knows what that feels like as well. Because he has had to run after his people time and time and time again. And it would just be easier for God to say, you know what, I'm not going to love you anymore. But God never does that. He always pursues them. Why? Because God has feelings too. Even when we run, God pursues. So, now here's the thing about the idols. God's kind of thinking about this. We don't worship idols anymore, do we? I mean, it's not like you go down Madison Street and you take a left at, you know, at McDonald's, and you take a right by the big golden calf statue. I mean, we don't have anything like that, right? But we still give our love away to other things, don't we? No, it's not golden calves or things of that nature. But we give our love away. We create substitutes for God. And when we create substitutes for God, God is hurt. Let's talk about some of those, what they may be. For, for some of us, it may be a relationship. You know what? I could just be complete if I could just marry him. Or if I could just marry her. And when we, when we say things like that, we're putting that person before God. Other ones, God wants to have a loving relationship with each and every one of us, but many of us, we can get to the end of the day and realize, you know what? I've not read my Bible any today. And, I, and we say stuff like, I just didn't have any time. You know, my, my schedule's jam-packed. But really, is it? I mean, because we all, we spend time doing something. Um, for others of us, it just may be, it, it may be something, not a gold cap, it may be something shiny that's in our garage. And we decide, you know what, we are going to put that before God. 
For others of us, it may just say, you know what, the, the idea of financial security and making sure I have this much money in my bank account, and when we choose not to give God what he asks, because God asks for 10%, and we say, I'm not going to do that, then we put that checking account before God. You see, there's a lot of things that we may have idols to. They're just not big golden and look like a calf, though I don't know what really that's about. They may look like boats or motorcycles or relationships or whatever. But know this, that God wants to be first and foremost in your life and in my life. And he gets frustrated, even angry, when we substitute him with anything else. God is hurt. That is why God sent Hosea to do what he did. Go and marry an unfaithful woman so that I can show these people that I am somebody who is madly in love with them. Because I created them. They were meant to be in a relationship with me. And know this, God isn't mad at you. He's madly in love with you. Again, if you hear nothing else, maybe you, again, you left church a long time ago. And this is like your first day back and it's kind of a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. You need to know this, God has been pursuing you. Why? So he can get even with you? Not at all. Because he loves you. And he longs to have a relationship with you. Always. And that's the reason why you're here today, that he pursues us. God pursues us. He pursues us. He pursues us. You know, God isn't like us. You know, when somebody hurts us, what do we usually want to do? Hurt them back. Exactly right. That's a normal progression. Somebody punches you, you want to punch them back. Some of you, you, you didn't come to get even. You came to get ahead, right? Just saying. In fact, if some of you, think through this. Guys, if you were hanging out with Hosea, here's some of the suggestions, some of the advice we would give Hosea. You need to leave that woman. I mean, do you know, she she isn't any good for you. I mean, she keeps on going out, and she keeps on having sex with other men. And that, that, you don't need that. Get rid of her. Divorce her. Cut her off. She's cheated on you. Do you know this? Hosea never gets a divorce from Gomer. You know why? Because God never divorces us from himself. He never divorces us from himself. He promises never to leave us. And that's God's message. I'm not going anywhere. Just as Hosea doesn't go anywhere, and Gomer's always going someplace. God is like that. God is never going anywhere. We may stray from God, but God never leaves us. And like I mentioned, Hosea... And Gomer have three children. And all of the children have names that mean something. It means something. The first child, Hosea and Gomer had together. The second child was a a daughter by the name of Lo-Rumah. And that means literally not loved. And what that means is that child wasn't conceived in Hosea and Gomer's love. Look at the third child. The third child we see in verse 8, after Gomer had weaned Lo-Ramah, she again became pregnant and gave birth to a second son. And the Lord said, name him Lo-Ami. And what that literally means in the Hebrew is not my people. Can we say that? Not my people. For Israel is not my people and I am not their God. I mean, God is kind of at the end of his rope and he's so frustrated 
He's going, you know what, I'm so frustrated that just as your wife keeps on running away from you, my people keeps on running away from me. And you, when you read that, not my people, well, that sounds like God's given up. But look at the next verse. This is verse 10. I love this. Then at the place they were told, you are low ami, not my people, it will be said, what? You are the children of the living God. Uh, the reason why I like that is this. God is wanting to write a love story with you and with me every time we run away from him. He pursues us. Yes, he gets frustrated. Yes, there's pain there. But he never stops loving. He never stops loving. So as we close, I just want to say this to two groups of people. The first group of people, let's talk to the Christ followers in here. People who, you know, you like show up at church every Sunday and you know you have a relationship with God. And of course, it has nothing to do with church anyway. It's everything to do with what Jesus has done for us. But for you and me who are Christ followers, let me tell you exactly what God is telling us through this fantastic love story is this. He's not walking away from you. He's not throwing up his hands and saying, I'm done. Not doing that. But listen to what Romans chapter 8, verse 35 says. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? That's a great question. Some of you, before you even go on, that's kind of your question today. Okay, I, you know, I used to be a Christian. I used to go to church, but then I, whatever it is, I, I've been sleeping around. I went and I, I did drugs. I've had an abortion. God can't love me anymore, can he? Look what it says. I am convinced that, what's that next word? Nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Let me tell you, that's, that's a Greek word, nothing. Let me tell you what that Greek word nothing means. It means nothing. Nothing can ever separate us from Christ's love. Neither death, and then he goes through this whole list. Because some of you are like, I got lists you know, of what I've done. God has lists too. Look at this. Death can't separate you. Life can't separate you. Angels can't separate you, nor demons can't separate you. Neither our fears today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. And he writes, no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all what? Creation. Now, by the way, how many of y'all are part of God's creation? That's everybody. If you have a relationship with God, you need to know you are part of that creation and you can't separate yourself from God's love. God will always pursue you, always pursue you, and not to get even, but to win you back. I'm going to keep on reading. Nothing will be ever, ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed, how? In Christ Jesus, our Lord. So if you have a relationship with God, you need to know there is nothing, there is nothing, there is nothing on this planet, nothing above this planet, nothing below this planet, not even you on this planet can ever separate you from God. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing can break that relationship. Nothing is ever going to cause God to say, you know what, I've had enough with you. I'm done with you. And I'm so thankful for that. 
Because I'll tell you, there have been times in my life and even times now that I'll come to God and it's like, God, I told you I wasn't going to do this, but I did it again. And, you know, after a while, if I was God, I'd be going, really? Stop, you know, I'm, I'm done with you. But he never, he never does that. I, I, this is so cool. Hosea's name means salvation. What does Hosea name mean? Salvation. Now, Gomer's name comes from the Hebrew word gamer, and it means either I'm done, I'm through with you, or it means complete. It means complete. And I think that is exactly what happens when Hosea pursues Gomer. She moves from being I'm done at the end of a rope, at the end of herself, to being complete. No longer needing to prove her worth or to seek love from elsewhere. God wants to come into your life and to be your Hosea, to be your salvation. So that when you're at the end of your rope, he can make you complete. I don't know if y'all know this, but I am preaching right now. That is good. That is good. So if you're at the end of your rope and you don't have a relationship with your heavenly father, one of the, the prerequisites of coming to know Christ is that you gotta be at, you gotta be at the end of your rope. There, it, it can't be God and something. Or you know what, I'm gonna try this God thing, but if this doesn't work out, I'm gonna do this. No, 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 no. It's God plus nothing equals everything. So if you're here today and you've been struggling, you're like, okay, it's coincidence. No, it's not coincidence. God has you here for a reason. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray, and at the end of this prayer, we're gonna, I'm going to like literally speak for like 30 seconds more, and I'm going to be done. But during this prayer, this is if you want to have a relationship with your Heavenly Father, that only happens through Jesus Christ. You see, right now, that whole that Romans passage, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. If you don't have a relationship with God, you are already separated. And there's nothing you can do to get to God. But I got great news for you. You don't have to get to God. God has already come to you. He came to this earth as a little baby. That was Christmas. He, he, he grew up. He lived for 33 years. He lived a perfect life. He was crucified. He died. Not because he had to, but because he laid down his life so that we could believe in him and he would give us eternal life. That is what the good news that God gives us today. So as I pray, if you want to come into a relationship with your Heavenly Father through Jesus, you can do that today. Let's everybody pray. You want to repeat these words silent to yourself? You're welcome to do that. God, I need you. I'm at the end of my rope. I'm done. I've tried so many things to make my life complete. None of it has worked. God, I realize now that I can't be good enough, can't go to church enough, Lord, that I'm never going to be good enough for you to accept me. But God, you already accept me because of what Jesus has done. Because he was good enough. Lord, I asked for Jesus to come into my heart and in my life and to make me complete. Thank you so much for hearing my prayer. Trust in you, Jesus Christ. I turn from everything else 
Now I'll pursue you, for you pursued me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you, you need to take a next step. I'm going to be at the back in the hallway. You can come and say, hey, Chris, I just did that. And I'm going to rejoice with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm probably going to hug you. And I'm going to say, that's awesome. I'm going to celebrate with you. There are some next steps you can do from there. As I close today, I want to give you a challenge. We're calling it the Pursued 30-Day Challenge. And let me explain what that is. And I'm going to challenge every one of you to be able to do this for the next 30 days. All right? Two, it's two, two things I want you to do. I want you, over the next 30 days, to not miss any of the Sundays in February. You already got one down, right? You only got three left to go. And if you have to be out of town, watch it online or listen to the podcast. Because I've said this before, my goal, and I'm going to kind of show you my, my poker hand so that you can see what I got. My goal for you over the, this month of February, over the month of love, is for you to fall in love again with your Heavenly Father. Our goal on Sunday mornings is to set up a date so that you can come and meet with God and you can get starry, googly eyes towards Him again. So I'm encouraging you over the next 30 days, don't miss on a Sunday. It's going to be too important, or if you have to, if work calls you away, that's cool. Listen to it on the podcast. Here's the second part, and this is really the most important one, is over the next 30 days, I'm going to be sending out every day an email to you guys so that you can be able to read and get into God's Word daily. Because let me tell you, how a relationship begins, it doesn't, it's not just a uh, it, it only happens, it doesn't happen more than just one day a week. It's, you have to be in there more than that. So I'm going to be giving you guys an email that you can read, you can print out. Each one is going to have a big idea. And you can just read that. Read that and pray. God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to change? And if you're already spending time with God every day, that's cool. You don't have to read them. This is just a way where you and God can set up a date every day. And we want to make this simple for you. We think, you know what, if you can do this for the next 30 days, it just might create a habit. It just might start something between you and God, and the spark is going to be rekindled again. And I want to say this, if, you don't, if we don't have your email address, if you never got an email from me, that means you're never going to get an email from me, which means I need to get your email. So you can go by guest services and fill out one of those cards, put me your email, write it legibly. Kind of crazy, but so I can see it, all right? But I'm encouraging you, over the next 30 days, don't miss a Sunday, and spend time with God every day. Spend time with God every day. That's the secret of a love relationship with your Heavenly Father. In fact, y'all lean in. This is a secret. That's the secret of how you continue to love your spouse again. Some of you, you're kind of cohabiting a house with somebody you really don't like anymore if you start doing the things that you did that got you in love if you do those things again you will fall in love again it will work with your God it will work with your spouse dear God we love you I pray that this month will be the turning point in many of our lives 
where a relationship blossoms again with our Heavenly Father. Because God, you pursue us. You never stop pursuing us. You're relentless in your pursuit towards us. And God, I pray that many of us today would stop running, turn around, so that we can be embraced by God who's crazy for us. Never give up You are for us Whoa. 